Welcome back, Queer Steak. Uh, apologies for background noise right now. I live by trains, and these trains will not stop. Ugh. Also, it's kind of a sticky Tuesday here in Salt Lake, so I hope it's nicer and quieter wherever you are in the world. I really do. Uh, today's episode comes from my Idaho sessions. Macy was my very last interview. I stopped by her place uh, in Idaho Falls on my way out of Rexburg, and I remember taking note of how close she was to the Idaho Falls Temple. And because it was nighttime by that point, the temple was lit up, and it just looked like this giant signal beam for angels. Well, sit back, keep an eye out for those angels, ignore the airwaves, and enjoy. Yeah, just feeling good. Um, Hey, hi, welcome. Um, I'm Mika. I'm Macy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, So you have some you have some stories for me today about your life. Uh, Yeah, I have lived a little bit. Uh. I mean, it's October, so if you hadn't have lived, if you weren't alive, it'd be understandable. I guess that's true. I'm not haunt. I'm not like a ghost or anything or okay. undead. So I guess that's a plus. I uh, guess. I think it's a plus. Then again, if you're like a ghost or something, mm-hmm. there are a lot of advantages to that. That's true. I would there there are a few people I would love to haunt. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? Depends on the person. But a few people that I would love to just mess with. Ghost haunting aside, <laughs> what are some things that have actually happened? <laughs> um, I guess I'll start with um, finding the Ark Squad. So back back home in California, I was uh, kind of I had come to terms with myself, and I'd kind of had this not too great experience coming out, or not, or sort of coming out to my parents. It wasn't too great. Long story short, it ended with my mother crying and talking about how she's a failure as a mother. Yeah, so I spent the next month or so saying, oh yeah, yeah, it was just a phase. I I was wrong about all of this, just in order to keep the peace in the family, you know. And it was fine. And around this this space of time, um, I had started hanging out with my friend Parker a bit more. And my brother invited me to go hang out with his friends a little bit. So the ARC squad started with Parker, Clark, and Mark. <laughs> it just so happened to be that way, and so it became... The Ark Squad because of their names having Ark in them. And the Ark Squad kind of became my new family. And I didn't come out to them right away, but after a few months of hanging out with them, I came out to every single person in the Ark Squad. I had slowly come out to maybe half of them, but then after I came out to every single one of them, it just became my safe haven. 
it's where I was able to go and just be myself. Because when I was at home, I had to play this part of this perfect daughter. And my mom was sick. And so I had to help out a lot around the house. And it was a fairly stressful environment for me, honestly. I mean, I, I did it because I loved my family and everything. But I would hang out with the ARC squad a lot and I felt loved. I don't know. I, I'm not too great at, at explaining how much the ARC squad means to me. Um, I've been thinking about going back home. As much as I hate the weather back home, it's too hot. And I hate the, the fact that everything's too expensive. Going back for the ARC squad is a main reason. Um, just to have that family again. I moved out here to Idaho uh, mainly because it was one of the easiest ways to get out of my parents' house, honestly, because the cost of living is too high. In California, it was just too hard to try and leave or save money or anything like that. It was kind of impossible. And I had lost my job at, I was working in an AC company, and so I moved out here to, I moved to Rexburg. I was living in community housing for a little bit, because uh, the semesters didn't line up, but I had prepared to start going to BYU-Idaho the following semester. After moving out here, I was able to kind of start being more comfortable with being who I am instead of being who I want my parents to think that I am. And so I was working like crazy right at the beginning, but um, it was a few weeks before the next semester started, I started going to the USGA and it was kind of fantastic just finding other people like me that I can meet in person like I had a couple friends back home a few members of the ARC squad actually who were LGBT plus but it's kind of different having friends and then actually having this community and this place where you can go to where you can talk about the experience and you have all this shared experience like when I was in Fresno, California, I had thought about seeing if there was any sort of gay... I mean, there definitely would have been gay organizations and stuff, but it just would have been different because their experience wouldn't have been the same as my experience. And I, I love the church. Of course... Okay, to clarify, I love the doctrine of the church policies and the culture I can have huge issues with but I love the doctrine of the church in in the last few months I went from going to church kind of going to church and then purely going to church just to maintain that ecclesiastical endorsement at BYU Idaho to anyway I guess I'll I'll back up a bit so I started going to the USGA and I met this person. I thought their um, their Guardians of the Galaxy hat was, was super cool. <laughs> and so I was like, hey. So we talked a bit. 
and in a, in a month or so that kind of blossomed into this like holy crap there's feelings here what do I do because <laughs> I had never really experienced that before because every time I had liked an AFAB person they have not liked me back or the one way or another were not interested in me. And so um, I started hanging out with them a lot. And I, I was trying really hard to stay temple worthy because my friends, Becca and Thomas, were getting married in a few weeks. And I wanted to be able to be there for their sealing. So we didn't really become in a relationship until kind of just before my trip out to California for the wedding. But it was an emotional roller coaster, this relationship. I won't give you a whole lot of details, but we were together and it was, it was really nice. But I kind of could feel myself distancing myself from feeling the spirit. But I ignored it because I was having a, a good time and I was, I was happy. Momentarily happy, I guess. Later that, that summer, um, it was about four months into the relationship, I went down to Utah for my brother's wedding. Um, I was sitting in the waiting room of the temple while they were getting sealed. And it had been the first time I had been in the temple since the beginning of the, that relationship. And I felt the temple spirit again for the first time in a long time. And I kind of distanced myself from feeling the spirit in general. And it felt like my soul just kind of craved that feeling again and it was it was really hard I came back from that wedding I went back to to Rexburg at this point I had moved to Idaho Falls but I went to hang out with my friend in Rexburg I told him kind of what had gone on and so he was there and he helped me call call them and we talked about things and I ended the relationship because I realized I had kind of lost an aspect of myself that I had had my whole life, which is my love for this church and my love for the temple. Sometimes I do wonder if it's worth it. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just doing the best I can to figure things out. So the last month or so, I've been trying my hardest to get myself back to a point where I can go to the temple again. I It's really nice because I can walk to the temple in like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, this is a primo location. Yeah, I mean, the area is not fantastic, but it's nothing compared to Fresno. Okay. But I can walk to the temple and you know, 15 minutes and I've got a dog. And so a lot of the time when I have time to walk him, I'll just walk him, go to the temple grounds, sit for a little bit, think about things, 
and then walk back. I do have a level of privilege in the fact that I'm not 100% gay, I guess. I'm slightly bisexual, which is, it sounds weird to say it like that. Yeah. But... Like, just levels of sexuality, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think the best way to explain my sexuality, if you know all the terms and everything, is I would say I'm, I'm gay, but I'm also, like, demi-heterosexual. Okay, yeah. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> it does. I, I always forget what demi is. It's like, so like for, for the possibility for mm-hmm. it's everyone. Like, well, for me, it's kind of like as I get to know a guy, mm-hmm. if I know them for a long time, feelings mm-hmm. can develop. Okay. But it's not something... I can't look at a guy and be like, dang. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't work like that. Back back to <laughs> to Mormon things. Uh, yeah, right. Or do you think anyone's going to get mad that we're saying Mormon? Okay, so... The whole thing with the Mormon name kind of makes me mad. <laughs> First of all, if I'm going to, like, denounce Mormon, that means I have to change my name on literally every social media site that I exist on. Was it you who posted that on Tumblr? <laughs> what your name change would be? Or is that someone else? Oh, well, I'm not really on Twitter. So that, no, I think Tumblr. That was, oh, Tumblr? Oh, I don't... I don't I don't think that, that was, was me, so, uh, so but that still, the, it still stands. The Poke Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints member. <laughs> right, it doesn't have the same ring, you know, Poke-Mormon. It's like Pokemon and just, Mormon, just mashed together. Yeah. And that's been me for, like, that rolls my off the life. <laughs> exactly. It's gotten to the point where, like, if I go in to type Pokemon, my hands type Pokemormon. <laughs> that aside, the whole like, I don't know, you can reclaim terms. Yeah, Mormon used to be like a derogatory term or whatever. So did queer. You know? Now it's our catch all. Exactly. I really like saying queer. I like saying queer too. Especially when. I was back in the day when all I knew, well, all I had come to terms with was, I am not straight, (laughs) for sure. Uh, It was kind of nice to have a feeling of I didn't need to figure everything out, you know. And for the people listening to this, you don't have to figure everything out. Often, it'll just kind of fall into place, and you'll find what what fits. You'll learn different terms and understand yourself better, and the terms won't always fit perfectly. And that's okay, because that's how terms work. I mean, when people ask me, are you gay? Sometimes I say yes. If they're like, oh, so you're only attracted to girls, I'm like, well, I mean, yes, no, kind of. I'm bi. And then I'll usually leave it at that. But it is kind of hard because, okay, being completely honest here, one of the things that I was thinking when I moved out to Rexburg was I was like, okay, God, if you're not going to have me marry someone from back home that I've known for many years, here's your chance to send me some sort of man, 
I'm going to Rexburg, the land of marriage. You know, now's your chance. And I went there, and I was still not attracted to many men. The only one that I was even remotely attracted to was my friend from back home that I had known for many, many years. It's hard being in the church, and so when I moved out here to Idaho Falls, I decided that, yes, I'm going to be temple-worthy. I'm going to work towards that. I'm going to go to church, and I actually go to church because I want to this time. But I decided I was not going back in the closet at all, and it's been a blessing. I've gone to church in this new ward, like, twice, and I've already come out to, like, five people and my bishop. My bishop's super cool. I just kind of felt like I need to be who I am. I've always hated it when I would talk to my friends and I'd be kind of, like, down about the whole situation, and they, they would say something along the lines of, like, well, you know, maybe maybe God made you like this so that you can help other people. And I'd be like, well, that's kind of dumb because, you know, I don't want to exist just to help other people. But I've realized that if I'm going to help other people, I have to be out. I have to put myself out there. And, and it's been a blessing because I've been able to see how many people are not judgmental, how mm -hmm. many people... Or just like, oh, cool. I mean, sure, when you're at church and you're talking about churchy things and you're like, well, I'm gay. And they usually do, like, a mental and physical double take. Because they're like, how does one and one equal, how does that work together? It's also kind of important to be visible, to let people know that you're there so that they think about the things that they say. They think about the way that what they say affects other people. Because sometimes people who grew up in the church, they have no reason to try and think about other people. Which sounds, it sounds kind of mean to say it that way. Mm -hmm. But I honestly feel like had I not been queer, I might have been one of those kind of people that just, you know, Molly Mormon never really had to think about why I'm in this church, why I love it, why I'm committed to it. I just would have followed because that's what my parents did. That's what my friends did. That's what my life consisted of. And it's certainly been a blessing because I've had to think about, is it worth it? Do I love it enough to give things up like that? You know, um, do I love this church enough to risk being that 40 year old woman in the Relief Society that still isn't married, which you know, there's nothing wrong with being 40 and not married. But we all know that in the church, that's that's a cultural thing that makes it a little difficult. Like if you're 25 and not married. Right. Suddenly you're the old maid. Right. Even for dudes, you're a menace to society. <laughs> Start asking which, girls on dates, get married. Which Brigham Young never actually said. I looked this up. Oh, really? Did my research. He never said, or at least not like that. Mm -hmm. Like, just the 
Yeah, the way it's said now, no. He he never said that specifically. Right. Well, that's good to know. Brigham Young was a little problematic. He was extremely problematic. So I wouldn't have put it past him. <laughs> right. I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that I'm not a minister to society in his eyes for, in that respect. <laughs> I mean, you you weigh the odds and... When it comes down to it, you just kind of got to go with what your gut feeling is. I, you know, sometimes you're led down a path that leads you to somewhere better. Not because it was where you needed to go, but because it showed you where you didn't want to be. And it's hard because I, I have a mood disorder as well, and so... It's similar to bipolar in that it is cyclical. Um, and bipolar depressive. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, yeah, the mood. Yeah. I, I know what you're thinking. And so, and part of the time, it's really hard for me to feel the spirit because I've got those lows and I'm down and every emotion is kind of cloudy and muddy and hard to grasp and that really makes things difficult because that reason for doing these things isn't right there which is why I go to the temple a lot even now because it keeps if if there's anything I've learned is that some days when you go into the temple it's almost like the depression doesn't exist now that's not true all the time but it's the one place that I have been on my worst day and left smiling. Which usually doesn't happen at best, you know. On my worst day, the best I can do is pretend and grin and bear it. Actually, right now, I'm, I can feel my emotions switching to where it's starting to get harder for me to feel the spirit. And so I guess it'll really prove true, you know, in the next few weeks or month or so, if I can keep going, because some days it's just, why am I doing this? Especially the other day when I cried for 20 minutes in my car, I had a little under an hour to catch some conference last week. And of course... The one talk that I was able to listen to was the one that I didn't feel the spirit during. And I left thinking, why the heck am I in this church if the leaders think of me this way, think of people like me this way, and don't speak with any sort of love. I didn't feel loved at all during that talk. It, those listening, I'm, I'm sure you know the talk I'm talking about. <sighs> Lovely Elder Oaks. He's probably never going to listen to this. And if he does, Elder Oaks, if you are listening to this, I want you to know that... The spirit is a very powerful thing, and if you chase it away, you will chase people away. 
I had to go to work immediately after and I was at JCPenney where I work and I walked up to my friend David and I was like, did you catch any of the conference? And he was like, no, but I've heard bits and pieces. I heard about the two hour church and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the cool stuff. Um, I just need a hug right now. And so I got a hug from him and I talked to him a little bit about how I was just wondering, you know, why am I doing this? And it all kind of worked out. I have not been derailed, but it certainly doesn't help feeling unloved by the church's leaders. Then again, I feel extremely loved by certain church leaders. Elder Holland has honestly, like, I owe my life to Holland and his talk from, I don't even know how many years ago it was, but the talk like a broken vessel, I have listened to that multiple times. It's the one about uh, mental illness and depression and knowing that it's not my fault and it took me a long time to get a diagnosis and I actually had to kind of diagnose myself because honestly the reason was all of my mental health professionals had been men so they didn't realize that my depression was hormone based Mm -hmm. and that's why it's cyclical i kind of going off topic now we're talking too much about the the gay um (laughs) no you you were telling me about um a date oh that's right we did talk about that yeah that was interesting um so back in the day when i was i thought i was so straight i had no idea Back in the day, I asked one of my friends, Spencer, on a date. We went bowling. Uh, It was fun. And we were leaving the bowling alley and we were talking and he said, oh, I don't, I didn't even remember what we were talking about and how it came up, but he, he said, I'm ace. And I was like, ace. And he was like, yeah, asexual. And I was like, asexual? What's that? And... He explained it, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. Um, I mean, it was kind of weird to be on a date with someone, have them tell you that they're not into you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's definitely an interesting thing about it. But that was kind of my first experience with meeting someone that I knew very well that was Mormon at the time he was. Um, that was Mormon, and who was LGBT+. And he actually became... He was the first person that I ever came out to. I came out to him when all I knew was, I am some degree of not straight. Which is a great memoir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some degree of not straight, a memoir. <laughs> I want that to be my memoir. Yeah. Some degree of not straight. At that point, all I knew was everyone seems to be liking other people in ways that I don't completely understand because I don't really experience it the same way that they do. Um, And I talked with him a lot throughout my whole kind of figuring things out process. I 
I tried so many different labels before I figured out what kind of fit me. I started with analyzing how I felt about guys. And I was like, am I ace too? And then I was like, nope, definitely not. But then I was like, I don't like guys often. And then I don't remember exactly when it hit me, but I was like, wait, but I like girls. And I was like, shoot, I never thought that I would like girls. <laughs> and so I talked with him a lot throughout this where I was kind of like talking about figuring everything out. I waited a while because my parents had a, a program on the computer that would like record the screen all the time. And so I never felt comfortable enough to even try to attempt to figuring things out before I had my own computer. And so I had my own computer and there was a friend of mine who I knew was in a, a kind of bad mental state. And this was as, after we graduated high school. And so there wasn't a whole lot of ways that I could keep checking up on them. But I did know that they went on their Tumblr a lot. And so every day, I this is actually the reason I created a Tumblr was so that I could go on there every day and just make sure that there's a new post. Just to make sure that they are still around yeah. to post things. And I was just checking up on them every once in a while. And then after a while, I was like, hmm, I wonder if there are any Mormon people on Tumblr. So it's like, Mormon. And I found a few people, followed some people... And then slowly I realized that there was an even, like, smaller subdivision <laughs> full of queer Mormons. Queer stake. And that kind of became my outlet. My discovering myself. My community. Where I felt less alone because of queer stake. And it's kind of been a journey but I'm really glad that I, I had queer sake. I'm so glad I live in the age of technology because without it, I would have felt so alone. And I, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. I'm really glad that I found people to help me feel less alone. Do we, did I ask you at the start how we know each other? Um, I don't think I did. No, I don't. Oh, yeah. How, so tell me, how, how do we know each other? <laughs> I don't remember how long ago I followed you, but... Like, fifth. that's a good question. Like, four years ago? Probably, like, yeah. four years ago. You were among the first people that I followed from Queer Stake. And so this is actually the first day we've actually met in person. Yeah. <laughs> I've been meeting so many people from Queer Stake lately. It's great. It's fantastic. Because, you know, I've I've been seeing your posts for years, mm. and there's a few you, URLs, I guess, that I've really come to think of as friends. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I haven't met any of these people in per Well, I mean, now I've met a few, but before, 
you know, I've never met these people in person. And it's it's been a blessing to meet people. I was actually, I was hanging out with some friends when I was in Rexburg, and this is when Queer State had gotten a few new admins, and they were, like, introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. And my friend Caitlin introduced herself, and I was like, wait a minute. So I turned, I, I saw Caitlin, like, the next day, and I, I was like, hey, I know you. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, no, like, I'm Poca Mormon. <laughs> she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like, mind blown. <laughs> it was, yeah. It, it was fun meeting them today. Yeah. I, such a lame way of saying it. But, like, we, we even have a, a Facebook chat with all the mods. Mm-hmm. So it's the easiest way to talk about things since Tumblr chat, you can't really add multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you can. I'm never on Tumblr anymore, though, so it's... <laughs> um, it's But, like, you know, in the chat's like, we don't really get the most talky energetic. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, like, we, we've got some asks we need to answer. Business talk. Yeah. And so... I was talking to Steph and stuff. I was like, yeah, this this is a good thing. Like, you know, I've met, like, you gave me, me Caitlin and I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I did, and it was great. One one final question. Um, mm-hmm. What would you pair this episode with? Um, I would pair it with... A longing sigh. I mean, that would fit it pretty well, too. <laughs> but I was thinking... Like, the turn of the seasons, I think. Okay. Where it kind of, you know, you've got different extremes, then you've got the nice areas in the middle, and as soon as it seems to get nice, it starts getting not nice again. But you know that times change, and no matter where you are um, and what's happening, you can count on there being better days ahead. That's a lovely pairing. Thanks. All right, thank you. This has been a lovely discussion. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Sorry that it was another short episode. But also, maybe you're welcome. I mean, Garrett's episode was pretty long, and I think next week's episode is also going to be a long one. So you've gotten this this little break of a, you know, bite-sized interviews, just pop them in your mouth. This bit's not going anywhere. Thanks to Macy for letting me interview her, uh, to Britain for the podcast art, and to Pink Pocket Squares for the use of their song, Tainted Rhythm. I'll see y'all in two weeks. <laughs>